0: Hey, y'all, we're going to continue in the book of Second Samuel with chapter 16, starting with verse 1. When David had gone a little beyond the summit of the Mount of Olives, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, was waiting there for him. He had two donkeys loaded with 200 loaves of bread, a 100 clusters of raisins, a 100 bunches of summer fruit, and a wineskin full of wine. What are these for? the king asked Ziba. Ziba replied, The donkeys are for the king's people to ride on, and the bread and the summer fruit are for the young men to eat. The wine is for those who become exhausted in the wilderness. And where is Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson? The king asked him. He stayed in Jerusalem, Ziba replied. He said, Today I will get back the kingdom of my grandfather Saul. In that case, the king told Ziba, I give you everything Mephibosheth owns i bow before you ziba replied may i always be pleasing to you my lord the king so we're going to pause there so david is heading out on his journey here to flee jerusalem and ziba is manipulating he is not telling david the truth he is this is a setup and this is a lie this is and we'll see that we'll see that in second samuel 19 when we get to that chapter but david blindly believes him he doesn't get both sides of the story and he just gives them everything Mephibosheth owns based on what he tells them rather than checking the facts and checking the truth. And we need to be very cautious about who we're listening to or in our own minds as well as people around us and make sure it checks with the truth, that it checks with God's word and it checks with the spirit of God and who he is. And if it doesn't check, I'd be very leery to just blindly believe it. We need to be cautious and we need to be ready for battle at all times because we are in a battle daily and we need to pick up the cross and and be ready to follow Jesus and be alert daily. In verse five, it continues in this story. Just (laughs) we'll we'll continue here in verse five. As King David came to Behurim, a man came out of the village, cursing him. It was Shimei, son of Gera, from the same clan as Saul's family. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers, and all the mighty warriors who surrounded them. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel, he shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord is giving it to your son Absalom. At last you will taste some of your own medicine, for you are a murderer. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king, Abishai, son of Zeruiah, demanded. Let me go over there and cut off his head. Okay, so we're going to just pause again briefly here. This is Abish- Abishai, who is David's nephew, and David David was not, he never considered himself enemies to Saul, and he didn't murder Saul, but he did murder Uriah, but he's not a bloodthirsty murderer. He has repented. He has confessed of that sin. He has turned from that, and he is a broken man right now. He he is not a murderer. That is not his identity. He did murder. He did sin. And he did, has to be accountable. Like he has accountability for his actions in that. He did do wrong in that. But that doesn't mean that's his identity. He has repented and he has been forgiven by God. And his identity is in God. And we need to remember that if we fall into sin and if we do things that we shouldn't do and make bad choices. We are going to have to face the consequences and be accountable, but that is not our identity. Our identity, especially the moment we repent, the moment we say, I'm so sorry, God forgives us immediately. And our identity is in Christ. We are Christ's sons and daughters. We have that identity. It is not what we've done at all. That is gone, done completely. It is finished because Jesus finished at the cross for us, and we no longer have that identity. We are God's children. In verse 9, why should this dead dog curse my lord? The king, Abishai, son of Zeriah, demanded, let me go over and cut off his head. So this is David's nephew, and he is very um, ambitious. And he, he's like, let's stop this. Why is this Why is this person throwing stones at you and cursing at you? This isn't okay. In verse 10, no, the king said, who asked your opinion, you sons of Zeriah? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, my own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. So David and his men continued down the road, and Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing and throwing stones and dirt at David. The king and all who were with him grew weary along the way, so they rested when they reached the Jordan River. So here they're walking along, they're heading out of Jerusalem and this man is cursing at him the whole way and throwing stones at them the whole way. And David is broken. He is humble before God. And he's like, if God's allowing this, let it happen. And he rather than be mad about it he's like let's learn from this let's see what god's doing let's just trust god and again we show he shows that humility that character under god that submission to god and he knows that god is faithful and he knows god's faithfulness and he knows who he is in christ and he doesn't defend himself he he doesn't find a need to defend himself So as this average Joe person is cursing the king, he just keeps on going. And he's like, you know what? God has us. It'll be okay. And that's the kind of faith that we should all have. God has us. It's going to be okay. And this also reminds me of Jesus when Jesus was cursed and crucified. And he said, you know what? God put him there. He's there for a reason. And he speaks in love, not and he doesn't try to throw stones back. He just speaks in humility and love. And David does the same thing here. And he's like, don't, don't treat him poorly. He, he's just let him be. Let's just keep going. But then they rest because they're growing weary. And I'm sure there had to have been some mental and emotional weariness too with this man cursing at them the entire, the entire way. And David doesn't lose sight of who the real enemy is in this either. We'll continue on in verse 15. Meanwhile, Absalom and the army of Israel arrived at Jerusalem, accompanied by Ahithophel. When David's friend, friend Hushai the Archite, arrived, he went immediately to see Absalom. Long live the king, he exclaimed. Long live the king. And so this is David's friend that he sent there to basically be a ruckus in in the courts of Absalom. And he says, long live the king, but he doesn't say Absalom's name in verse 17. Is this the way you treat your friend David? Absalom asked him. Why aren't you with him? I'm here because I belong to the man who is chosen by the Lord and by all the men of Israel, Hushai replied. So again, he's being vague. He doesn't say Absalom's name. He's saying, I belong to the man who's chosen by the Lord. He is saying he is loyal to David. He Absalom just doesn't hear because He's so full of himself that he's positive he's got to be talking about himself. (laughs) In verse 19, And anyways, why shouldn't I serve you? Just as I was your father's advisor, now I'll be your advisor. Then Absalom turned to Ahithophel and asked him, What should I do next? Ahithophel told him, Go and sleep with your father's concubines, for he has left them there to look after the palace. Then all Israel will know that you have insulted your father beyond hope of reconciliation, and they will throw their support to you. So they set up a tent on the palace roof where everyone could see it, and Absalom went in and had sex with his father's concubines. Absalom followed Ahithophel's advice, just as David had done. For every word Ahithophel spoke seemed as wise as though it had come directly from the mouth of God. So this was prophesied in 2 Samuel 12, 11 and 12, that, that his family would do this and his family would be broken apart and that this would happen and it would be in front of everyone and not hidden like David tried to hide his sin. We're going to continue, um, into chapter 17 tomorrow, but I just want to point out a couple of things here. Um, he, he's basic, this is basically this this act really announces David's sin, and he goes to the palace roof, which is very likely the very place where David looked out and gazed upon Bathsheba in the first place. And Ahithophel is Bathsheba's grandfather, remember, also. So he's giving this advice, and, and David's friend is there in the mist, and he is going to stir up this ruckus, but in the meantime... Absalom follows this advice and he does this, this act of treason, this immoral act of treason to the king. And he, he didn't ask Hushai what to do. He, he, but David, if you remember in David in 2 Samuel 12, he also, he asked for God to make Ahithophel's. Ahithophel's advice foolish to cause his advice to be foolish. And this is foolish advice. David David prayed for this, it, and it is foolish. And it's it's happening, and God is answering. And Absalom is so prideful that he doesn't hear the real truth. He thinks he's God's chosen one when, when Hushai is, is talking with him. And the enemy comes to David. In through Zeba and tells this lie, this twisted manipulation, we have a whole lot of manipulation going on, and it's a reminder that we need to resist the the temptations of the evil one, and we need to be very conscious that we're being strong and firm, in that we are being alert to the enemy's lies because in john eight forty four it says that the enemy is going to pour out lies and destruction, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we need to be very cautious that we're not buying into his, uh, his lies. And in order to do that, we need to know the father's voice. We need to spend time with God in the word, spending time in prayer and know our father's voice in John 10, 27, it directs us to do just that. And we need to walk confidently in our position in Christ, in who we are in Christ. And don't let whatever the enemy throws at us sway us. Like David did when Shimei was cursing him along the way, he knew his identity in Christ. He's like, well, let it be. It's not important because he knew who he was in Christ. And Colossians 2, 14 and 15 tells us that we can walk confidently in who we are in Christ. And we need to stand on that daily and remain alert every single day through our journey here. Thanks, y'all. We'll continue on tomorrow. Have a great night.